There is such a thing called a chikira. A chikira is when you take a subject matter and you want to start investigating into it. And uh, usually what happens is there are two sides to the chikira. And then uh, you try to figure out um, why it's what, what, what we're trying to accomplish. Now the chikira is as follows. There is a famous, famous Gemara that all of you have heard, you probably haven't seen it inside, at the end of Masechet Makos, um, about Rabbi Akiva, with the other rabbis walking and seeing the destruction of Yerushalayim. So the Chagira is, um, is that story so famous because it's such a famous story, that's one side, or is that so, story so famous because it happens to be at one of the, shor- the end of one of the shortest Masechets and Shats, and therefore everybody has to make a quick theme, the learn of the second Makos, and therefore you always hear the story because it happens to be the last page and a half of the the shortest Masechtas, one of the shortest Masechtas of the Shas. I think it's the first, that it's a very, very famous story. So I am going to give over the story, gentlemen, and then we're going to see a commentary called the Aruch Laner um, on the famous, famous Gemara. So, Amir Tzadashem, everything will go well. The only problem is my photocopying didn't really come out good. I apologize. So, it, but I don't want it to really be a sheer inside in any event, so it doesn't bother me too, too much. The first line of the Gomorrah got cut off, but we have it over here in the art scroll on the bottom. Um, and we'll see what this has to do with the destruction of the temple, the destruction of the base of English. Israel, you have a question. Uh, We're being taped, by the way. It's being recorded. Right. I, I was going to ask you to tell the story because I didn't... We're going to see the story inside. We're going to see the story inside. Help. It's being recorded. Oh. Okay, here's the story. Uh, the, re- the top line you don't have. Now you have it already. These rabbis were going on the... Oh wait, do I have a copy now? These rabbis were going on the way. We're traveling on the road. And they heard the sound of the Roman crowds in the plaza. And all of a sudden, 120 mil away. And all of a sudden, and they started to cry. And Rabbi Akiva was smiling. So all of a sudden, they, asked, they said to him, Amru lo. They said to Rabbi Akiva, Rabbi Akiva, why are you smiling? So, Amru lehem. So Rabbi Akiva goes back to them. I don't understand. Why are you guys crying? What do you mean why we are crying? Amrulo, they said to do. They said to him, How Lukushim, we're not going to translate that word, these heathens, Shemish Shachavim, Latzavim, these heathens who bow down to idols, idols, and the Katrim, Lavodas Kochavim, and they send incense, they best blow incense to idol worships. Yoshim betach vashket. They're sitting in security. They're sitting in quiet. 
and our temple has been burned to the ground. Like, what do you mean, why are we crying? You're not going to cry about that, Rabbi Akiva? So Rabbi Akiva said, Why? Because of that, I'm laughing. Why? Can you imagine? People who transgress Hashem's will these Roman heathens. And look what's happening to them. Doesn't seem so bad. For people like us who are going to be doing Hashem's will, how much more so? We're going to eventually get some sort of a reward. Okay, interesting answer. I don't know if that's such a nichamtani, nichamtani. If you have comforted me, comforted me. But the story goes on. Shuv pamachat hayu Yerushalayim. On another occasion, they were going up to Yerushalayim. This is really the famous one. Kevin Once they got up to Mount Mount Scopus, if you ever guys go up to Mount Scopus, if you ever been to the Hech Synagogue in Hebrew University, you have Mamish. If you ever go to Harazesim, you have a perfect view of Harabayas. So these guys are, just by the way, when you read a Gemara like that and you live in Israel and you've been to these places, you can really understand the Gemara a little bit more. So they get to Harazay, they get to Mount Scopus. And all of a sudden, um, Karubig Dayim, they all, they all rip their, they all rip their, cor- their garments. Cave and Shigil Harabayas, when they got closer and they were able to see Harabayas, the Temple Mount, they saw a fox running out of where the Kodesh Kedoshim was. Everyone started to cry. Rabbi Akiva and Rabbi Akiva started to smile. Again? Why are you laughing, Rabbi Akiva? Why are you crying? The Kodesh Kedoshim, where it says, a stranger who goes in there is going to get killed. And now you see foxes running in and out of there. You're not going to cry? You know what kind of Kedusha is in the Kodesh Kedoshim? Now we see animals running in. And now we see animals running around. That's not a reason to cry. Careful. Um... I know what you're thinking, and we're not allowed to say it because it's best because we're being taped. <laughs> you see animals in the Harabais right now, running around. It's not a reason to cry. Amar Lehen, the Rebbe Akiva says, That is why I am laughing. Why? He says, It's written, There's a passage that says, I'm going to bring trustworthy witnesses to testify for me. Uriah the Kohen and Zechariahu ben Yerechuyahu. Okay. He says, what, what does that mean they're going to testify? What does Uriah have to do with Zechariah? So it says, B'mikdash Rishon of Zechariah B'mikdash Shani. Uriah was B'mikdash Rishon, Zechariah was B'mikdash Shani. So he says, no, because they each prophesy something. There are two prophecies were 
dependent. Two of the greatest prophets prophesied. What did they prophesize? Buuriad says, Bilalchem, Sion Sadet Haresh. Akiva says back to them, and Uriad says, Zion is going to become plowed like a field. And then in Zechariah it says, Oh, Yushavu Zekenim Vizekenot Baruchavat Yerushalayim. Old men and old women will sit in the streets of Yerushalayim. Says Rabbi Akiva, he goes, Listen, I always wondered about the second prophecy. What does that mean, old men and old women are going to sit in Yerushalayim? We see Yerushalayim before the destruction of the temple bound. Before the destruction of the temple, people, old men and old women were sitting in the street. He goes, but now that I can see Yerushalayim plowed, now that I can see that the first prophecy came true, that Yerushalayim became plowed like a field, I understand the second prophecy now has to happen. The second prophecy of old men and old women will be sitting in the streets of Yerushalayim in peace and tranquility. Now I know that second prophecy is going to happen. Says the rabbis back to Akiva, Rabbi Akiva, Akiva Nichamtani, Akiva Nichamtanu. Akiva, you, sorry, Nichamtanu. Akiva, you have comforted us. Akiva, you have comforted us. That's the famous Gomorrah. That's the end of Masechet Makos. So there are two stories. Story number one, they hear the Romans parting. They say, these guys are parting and we're, our base of Mignosh is destroyed. Rabbi Akiva says, well, if these guys are parting and they're not even getting such a bad punishment, you know, can you imagine people who don't party and, and we serve a Kodesh Baruch what's going to happen to us? They didn't see Nicham Tanu. They didn't say that to Rabbi Akiva the first time. After the second story, Rabbi Akiva says, listen, there are two prophecies. One prophecy says that old men and old women are going to be sitting again in Yerushalayim. I always wonder when that prophecy is going to happen. I, I didn't even realize that prophecy is going to happen. But now that I see the first prophecy happen, that Sion is plowed, so I see that that other prophecy is going to have to happen as well, and eventually there's going to be a new base of Migdash, which the Virat Hashem gentlemen we're still waiting for. And he says, now that I see that, I know there's going to be another base of Migdash, I could, that's why I'm laughing. Even though you guys see a fox running out, I see Zion being plowed, but now I know, I have hope, that there's going to be another Beis HaMikdash. Oh, now we understand. Nichamtani Akiva, Nichamtani. You have comforted us, Akiva. You have comforted us. Even on the first story, you have comforted us. Now that we recognize that we're going to get our rewards in this world and in the next world. And now our reward is going to be, our word Zion is going to be rebuilt. So therefore, Nichamtani, Nichamtanu. You have you have. Um, comforted us, you have comforted us. That's the famous Gemara, gentlemen. I want to share with you an Aruch Lener on this Gemara. The Aruch Lener makes three, three points. The Gemara L'chachani Mitzachek. Fartik Dek Marasha, B'chidushi Agadot. The Marasha points out an interesting thing in the first story. Hem Yizkiwil Rabbi Kiva Chorben Habayit Vecha L'chachani Mitzachek. And Rabbi Kiva says back to them, that's why I'm laughing. Turn the page it over. Vyeshlomar, Kishmedadaktik, Bediva Rabin Gamliel, and Rabelazar Benazaria, Shalomiskiru Davar Bahafuho. They didn't mention something in the opposite. What does that mean? Shamru, they said these heathens are sitting there, Yoshun Betach Veshetach. They said these heathens, these Romans are sitting in security and quiet. 
the negative is there, Hayalahem Lomar, and they should have said, Vanu Ava Ovdim La Kodesh Baruchu, Veshochnim Biyagan Begalus. What they should have said is, look at these heathens who are sitting in security, and while Rabbi Yagiva, we serve Hashem, and we have such sorrows on us. They didn't say that. You know what they said? These heathens who serve their idols, they're sitting in peace and security, and we don't have a base in Megdash. That's what they were crying about. That we don't have a base of Mikdash. So Rabbi Akiva says, I know we don't have a base of Mikdash now. But okay, you live a hundred years, things start making sense a little bit. And then all of a sudden, You see the greatness of these other rabbis. They weren't fetching on their own their own tsaras. And they were crying And we could we can't serve a Kurdish Baruch. If it would have been, if, 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 it's, if it was destroyed because of our sins, that doesn't make sense, Rabbi Akiva, because these guys are sitting like crazy, and look at them. And they just were so, they don't understand, they just didn't understand. How can it be these sinners get this, and us who are sinners, we lose our base of Mikdash? They didn't say us who are sinners, we have sorrows right now. What they were complaining about is our loss of the base of Middash. Gentlemen, he quotes a famous, famous um, Medrash. And there's a Medrash, gentlemen, that's brought in Yalkut Eicha. I think it's the third Pasuk in Eicha. And the Pasuk says, Kol Ra'aya Bagduba. The Pasuk says, All of my friends, Yerushalayim is talking. When Yirmiyahu writes, when Yirmiyahu is writing Eicha, one of the lines he writes is that Yerushalayim is speaking, and it said that all of my friends have betrayed me. That's the Pasuk. The Pasuk is Yerushalayim speaking, my friends have betrayed me. Which friends? How did they betray you? So here's the Medrash. There, Gabriel and Michael. This is Gabriel and Angel Michael. That they're always trying to find a merit on the Jewish people. And all of a sudden, who's really, really dear to you? This is the Medrash. So the, the two angels said, You know who's really dear to us, God? The Jewish people. Vachar Yisrael Michavivalechem. God asked the two angels in the Medrash, after the Jewish people. Then what's next in line in terms of dearness to you? Amr lefanav beis hamikdash. Amr lehem. So God says to these two angels, Nishba ani b'shmiya gadol. I'm swearing by my own name. Shatem b'atzmechem atzitin boesh. You guys are now going to destroy the beis hamikdash. Miad natlu Gabrielu Michal shnei lapidei esh v'atzisu esh vehechal Hashem. End of the Medrash. The two angels took fire, like torches of fire, and burned the base of Megdash. The base of Megdash. And now Yerushalayim is saying, My friends, who are his friends? These two great angels, who always try to find a schuss in my name, says the base of Megdash. Says Yerushalayim, They betrayed me. That's, the, that's, the, that's what the Medrash says. 
They betrayed me. How did they betray me? They destroyed me and they didn't destroy the, the Jewish people. They said the Jewish people are the most dear to them than me. And then you know what God said? Okay, you're going to go destroy the base of Yerushalayim. So now Yerushalayim is talking. My friends have just betrayed me. Look at the way the Pasuk says they betrayed Yerushalayim. Mashi Tzitu Eish from Migdash. Kevin Shayal Pete Sivu Yakurish Barchu. Vulamat Siva Kurish Barchu Dafkal Eloh Malachim. Why did Kurish Barchu command these two angels? Shalam Dus Chutlat Lik Beis Migdash. Why would he specifically take these two angels who are always trying to find a schutz for the base of Migdash? Hello, Chefetz Chesed who? God is Chesed. Why would he take Dafka those two angels? And he says, Why did God even say this whole question? Who's dear to you? He says, But, It's all going to come together right now, gentlemen, and then we're going to start this year. There is a Pasuk in Tehillim. And the Pasuk says, Mizmor la'asaf. A praise to us, a song to Asaf. Elohim ba'u garim b'nachalotecha. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is going to bring non-Jews into your inheritance, i.e. into the land of Israel. So the Pasuk, the Medrash says, Mizmor la'asaf? Kino la'asaf. What do you mean, Asher to Asaf? Hashem is going to bring Goyim into the land of Israel and destroy it. Mizmor la'asaf? That should be a kina, a lamentation to Asaf. Says the Orach Lanair, based on this Gemara and based on Rabbi Akiva, gentlemen, we deserve the punishment. That's true. And it could even be the punishment we deserved is that we should have been destroyed. And you know what Akurish Baruch decided to do as opposed to destroy the Jewish people? Whatever, you know what's going to be next in line? Instead of me destroying the Jewish people, I'm going to destroy, unfortunately, the base of Migdash. And I'm going to destroy. Yerushalayim. And in a weird type of way, that gives hope to the Jewish people. Mizmor la'asaf. He didn't destroy us. We're still around, Gethin. Gentlemen, in my humble opinion, when people start asking the famous Medrash, I'm sure all of you you know the Medrash, that there are 70 wolves around one sheep. And all of a sudden, they say, look at the way the sheep is surviving amongst the 70 wolves. But they're the shepherd by the sheep, no, knocking off all the wolves. So who's greater, the sheep or the shepherd? It's the shepherd. So we have a sheep, which is cloudy throw, and there are wolves around us. I've thought the following thought a few times. Go back to the Babylonian exile. And if you would go to a Jew at the Babylonian exile, David, are you ready? And you would say to that Jew in the Babylonian exile, who's going to be around in another 2,500 years? They said, you see the way they're taking us in chains to Babel? They've destroyed the base of Migdash. You think we're going to be around in 2,500 years? Look how strong this Babylonian army is. Then the Babylonians go away. Persians come, the Greeks come, the Romans come. The Romans come and Mamish destroy a base of Migdash, Titus builds the arch in Rome, which is still standing till today. There's a Colosseum and an arch in Rome still standing, with a picture of the base of Migdash being destroyed, and the Jews leading the menorah and the Aaronachitish to Rome, which they're keeping it safe for us, because they're such nice people. 
And and <laughs> if you would have gone to a Jew and say, who's going to be around in 2,000 years? They say they're throwing us literally to the lions. There's no more Israel. We're scattered to the four corners of the world. You're going to have Jews all over. There's going to be some sort of assimilation like every other normal nation. An Italian guy moves to America. He speaks Italian. He sends his kids to a public school. So the kid speaks Italian at home, but he's, but he's, uh, he's already, already American. Then the grandchild knows how to swear in Italian. And he considers himself a little bit Italian, but he doesn't speak any Italian anymore. He's really American. The great-grandchild, he's already integrated into American society. It should have happened to us. If you would have gone to a Jew, who's going to be around? Kalmanisky. Everyone's heard of Kalmanisky, the, the horrible, horrible massacres in the Ukraine. Kalmanisky massacres in the 1700s. You know how many Jews they killed? They say something like 600,000 Jews in like a one-year period. There is no Zyklon B, there is no gas chambers, there is no rifles. Slaughtered us. We still say Kinasan, not today. The Crusades. All of a sudden, there's a, there's a, if you ever go to the Vatican, I've been to Rome before, and I wouldn't step into the Vatican, but there's a little bridge you cross over. So I gave a little bit of a sneeze and a spit. <laughs> at that bridge. But there is a guy in Montreal, I know him very well, because there's a, he's a, there's a street named after him, because he's a saint. His name is Saint Urban. Saint Urbane. And Mama, she's one of the saints of the, of, the, of, the, of the Christian church, of the Vatican. And he was, he was designated to go and free Jerusalem from the infidels. They were called the Crusades. And he was going to go and free Jerusalem. He happened to have stopped in the German-French border, the French Rhineland, and uh, you know, decided to kill a couple of hundred thousand Jews during the Crusades, just to get practice. And now we have a, a, a statue. Saint Urbane. Saint. Who's going to survive? And I've often thought about this. You take a look at, at you take a look at Auschwitz in the height of the war, right? They, at, when they just went into Hungary, killed six hundred thousand Jews in a seven or eight month period. You know that is six hundred thousand Jews in a seven or eight hundred period in a seven or eight month period. Like, do the math. It's like. 8,000 Jews a day. The, the gas chambers were working like overtime in Auschwitz. And all of a sudden, can you imagine going to a Jew in January of 1945 or December of 1944 and say, hey Jew, I just want to let you know something. In three years from now, there's not going to be a Nazi party and there's going to be a state of Israel. That Jew would look at you and say, you are a nutshop. They are killing us at 8,000 people every day. You don't see the smoke over there? And you're telling me in three years from now there'll be no more Nazi party in the state of Israel? You must be choking. And therefore, gentlemen, here we are today, in 2023. And again, I look out here, I said, I sold to somebody once, in 2023, it is not hard to be a Jew who has Emunah and Hashem. Why not? Look at the world, Ron. It's going crazy. I know you think it's nice. It's nice. It's the way it's supposed to be. I think it's crazy, Ron. And all of a sudden, 
I open up Tanakh and I see the prophecies. I look out the window over here and I see with all the problems that we have over here. We're sitting here learning Torah in Yerushalayim. It's an unbelievable thing. And if you would just go around this little room over here, from where everybody is from and where their ancestors are from, you've got everybody all over the place. And what are we doing? We're learning Torah and Eretz Yisrael. This is like a miracle, gentlemen. To some extent, there are no more, to a great extent, there are no more Babylonians, there are no more Romans, there are no more Greeks, there are no more Persians. There's no more Khamenevsky, there's no more Nazis, no more Germany. I don't know who the next one's going to be. But I know one thing, we're still here. Jew, the Jewish people we've gone through are national trials and tribulations. Believe me enough. They ain't. Since 1948 to 2023, oh, you know, you, go to, you see Yom Hazikra on how many Jews have been killed in Israel just because they're Jewish. So even though somebody says, well, it's not even, it doesn't even equal it up to one day in Auschwitz or one day of the Holocaust. Okay, maybe that's true, but still 20, tens of thousands of Jews have been killed in the last 75 years. We've got our national trial, tribulation. There's no question about it. But on the other hand, look at the hope over here. This is what Rabbi Akiva said to them. The Jewish people, look at all these people. Look what happened to them. There's no, Rabbi Kiva, what he said to them is so true. It's true at the time, it was very hard, because you see the Romans having fun in their theaters, and we're sitting here without a base of Megdash. But bottom line is, there's nobody from that culture left anymore. You don't have Caesars anymore. Where are they? You don't have Titus's anymore, and Vespicius, and where are they? Where's the old Roman Caesar, or the old Roman court? It's a tourist attraction, because it, didn't, it wasn't destroyed. You don't have any of these things around anymore, but the one thing you have around, gentlemen, is us, the Jewish people. And not only that, we haven't changed at all. I want to tell you something, and I'm going to use this to go towards the end of my talk. Again, my mind, sometimes my, my mind wanders and trying to figure out examples. But I often think to myself, let's say, for example, you would take me, it's learner, and let's say there would be such a thing called time travel. Okay. And all of a sudden, you take me in today with whatever I have on me right now, and you would send me into a time machine, and you would put me back 900 years ago. So far, good. And I'd pop up in some sort of Jewish community. Um, hopefully not in, 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 in the German-French Rhineland. But let's say I would pop up in the German-French Rhineland. So I'd wake up, and they'd say, whoa, who are you? I'm saying, well, 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 Yeshivavpa? And all of a sudden, they'd bring me to the rabbi. And the next thing I know, he'd say, he's a parsha that Shabbat. And he would tell me, oh, it's Varim. I said, oh, really? Oh, okay, last week was Matas Masai. I have a nice word in Varsha Varim. Where'd you hear that from? Well, it's Ibn Ezra. Who? You haven't heard of that? Oh, yeah, I've come around for two more years. Would you like the bar? And I'd be sitting at their Shabbos table. And I'd go like this. Do you have a song to share with me, they'd say to me? I'd say, yeah. And they say, wow, we know the word, we never heard the tune. I have everything in common. We start talking about Hilcha Shabbos. We talk about Hilcha Tishabot. I pull this out, they say, what the heck is that? I said, this is my Abu Zara. What? Well, I'm addicted to it. I have an addiction. I don't wear a watch. Now I have a, I don't wear a watch. I don't know what time it is. What I have to do all the time is I always have to turn my thing on to see. Oh, now that I turned it on, I want to see who watched off me. I'm always addicted. 
And all of a sudden they say, what do you do with this? And I explain to them, I don't do with them. And then the next thing you know, I start discussing, what kind of mooks is this? <laughs> and we can have a conversation now with somebody from 900 years ago. You can sit down and learn Habab Machteret with a guy, a Jew from 900 years ago, 1200 years ago, and you can sit down with him for three hours and have conversations. And our Torah hasn't changed, our halachas haven't changed. I have everything in common with that guy from the culture from eight, 900 years ago, 1200 years ago. Nothing has changed. You have everything in common. You have Chumash in common. You have Nach in common. You have Halacha in common. You have Gomorrah in common. And even if you would have put me down to the time of David and Melch, I'd be able to do that. It's true. Some of the things haven't been written yet. But in terms of Gomorrah, in terms of oral law, in terms of Chumash, in terms of Halacha, the great Torah, we'd have everything in common still. It's an unbelievable, unbelievable thing. And all of a sudden, Rabbi Akiva comes to them and Rabbi Akiva says, like, I hear you guys are crying. Don't get me wrong. You see, I also ripped my shirt. Right? The Gomorrah says he ripped Kriya. He didn't, when the Gomorrah talks about all them ripping Kriya, Rabbi Akiva was included in that. He also ripped Kriya when he saw the Korban Beis Amikdash. But the Nechama that Rabbi Akiva had, he was able to give, the comfort that Rabbi Akiva had, and he was able to give to the other rabbis, he goes, I understand why you're crying. You don't think it hurts me to see a Shual what, running around in the, in the Kodesh Kedoshim? For sure it hurts me. But you know what? You have to look a little bit in the future. And you also have to recognize that the Kodesh Baruch Hu destroyed the base of Migdash. And the Kodesh Baruch Hu destroyed Eretz Yisrael. But the Jewish people are still around. And we're going to go through our trials and tribulations. And I want to let you know something. Everybody knows this to be true as well. And again, I am living in Israel, gentlemen, and I'm a very, I, you know, I decided to, 35 years ago, whatever it was, to stay, come here and stay here. I was speaking to one of my students, and she said to me, Rabbi Lerner, uh, not, not the sharpest pencil in the, work, in, the, in the bench, but she goes, do you believe in the state of Israel? I said, no, I don't believe it exists. What do you mean, do you believe it? What do you mean, you're like a, do I believe? I don't, what do you mean by believe? No, no, Rabbi, you know what I mean. How do, you feel about the, how do you feel about the state of Israel? She asked me. I said, how do I feel about the state of Israel? I said, I live here. I said, I don't make that much money. They pay a lot of taxes. My cottage cheese is a lot of money. I'm not very happy right now. I pay a lot of money for gas. Even though you're complaining to fill up your gas tank in America, $40. Are you joking? My little Chevy's Park is 65 bucks to fill up my gas tank. And you're complaining $40 in an SUV? I have what to complain about, but that's not what it... But on the other hand, I want to let you know something. That I moved here, I pay my taxes here, I have my, when I drive home, I have presents being sent my way by my neighbors. Rocks, malt of cocktails, <laughs> it's always fun driving home, you never know what's going to happen. But I want to let you know one thing. There's an idea that Rabbi Hanan Wasserman writes, back in the 1920s. Rabbi Hanan Wasserman with the Talmud of the Chavetz Chaim, he started a yeshiva in Lithuania in Baranovich, he was outside of the war, outside of Lithuania when the war started, and he went back in so he can be with the yeshiva, and he was killed with, by the Nazis in 1942 or 1943 in Fort Nine. One of the greatest Talmudic scholars of the last, last generation. And he was around during the beginnings of secular, secular Zionism. And Wilhelm said such, an such a strong idea, and he said, listen, don't get me wrong. 
if you open up the Chumash, probably two-thirds of the halachas in the Chumash are halachas that can only be done in Eretz Yisrael. Take a look at Shaf. How much of Shaf is talking about halachas that can only be done in Eretz Yisrael? Zroim, the beginning part of it, Kachim, Taharas. He says, so don't get me wrong, the importance of Eretz Yisrael to the Jewish people. He goes, but I want to let you know one thing. You take away Eretz Yisrael for 2,000 years from the Jewish people, we'll be able to survive. And we did survive. Take away Torah, take away mitzvahs, take away Shabbos, in two generations we're going to be, we're going to be gone. That's what Bochamim said. We can't live without Torah, mitzvahs, and Shabbos. We can't, we can't survive without it. So don't get me wrong, Rabbi Akiva is crying. Rabbi Akiva saw the Shual running in and out. But says Rabbi Akiva, I have hope. And what's the hope that Rabbi Akiva has? I know there's going to be another prophecy. That Eretz Yisrael, Medina, Eretz Yisrael is going to be rebuilt. Once I saw this prophecy, because I was wondering, when is this prophecy going to happen? Oh, now I see the prophecy happened. I'm not thrilled. But once when I saw it happen, I saw that Zion became a plow, a field to plow, like a plowed field, I now know the next one is going to happen as well. Nichamtani, uh, Nichamtani. I wanted to end off with one other idea, and this is what, this is what I'm going to end with, I'm trying to pull it together. And I've been saying this for years, and um, I, I just to give a little bit of hope and inspiration. Okay, even though we're in the nine days, even though we're in the three weeks, um, so the third day, I haven't got dirty yet. So I said, you know, I, I put on a bunch of shirts beforehand, so I still have like three shirts in my closet, and I have like three shirts that I'm going to wear on Shabbos. You know, put one on for Shabbos Friday night, and get home from show, put on another one. <laughs> I'm going to take that off and then put on another one. So I'll figure out how I'll do it for next week. I didn't get a chance to wear all of my shirts. It's a little bit of a <laughs> put it on for Shabbos. It's not completely fresh, but okay, whatever. But I want to give a little bit of hope, even though we're in the three weeks and we're in the and I'm, and I'm very, very machmir in the in the in the in the halachas of the three weeks for many, many reasons. I really feel that uh, if we're not going to keep these halachas, who is? And the questions I'm getting, like, don't get me wrong, but the girls who are asking me questions, some of the guys who are asking me questions, are tzaddikim and tzaddikis that are asking me questions, because most so many of the Jewish world don't even know to ask a question. But I've got to tell you one thing. I'm a little bit shocked. I just said this to my boss this morning before I teach in the morning. I'm really shocked at how much shopping is part of a culture with some of these girls. Like, it's like, holy kamoli, it's just like nine days, three weeks without shopping. Like, oh, Rabbi, I ordered something on Amazon. I just, blah, blah, blah. I have to order my couch. I've got to order my clothing. Could I rewear it? Could I put it on just to return it? And blah, blah. Like, oh my gosh. I, I, I'm telling these girls, like, forget about the three weeks. I think you've got to, like, do a little bit of disconnecting from shopping. for. If you can't disconnect from shopping for three weeks, Forgetting about the mourning period. We've got to think bigger problems going on over here. Manicures. Oh my gosh, Rabbi, I can't get my... Like, whoa, lady, you know, like, it's okay, do Shabbat says, like, don't go, you know. Are there any room for manicures? But okay. <laughs> yeah, problems in the Jewish world. But I want to give a little bit of hope. Gentlemen, 1945, the war is over. The Jewish people are the or the Torah community is decimated. The Jewish people are decimated. 
you get to the 1950s, after some of the wars with the Arabs, the next thing you know, the Sephardic community, the Sephardic Jewry is just decimated. Everyone's running away from Morocco and from Iraq and from Iran, and for, or not even Iraq that much, but Morocco and Syria and Iran and Libya and Lebanon where there are Jewish communities. The Jewish world was really in bad shape. And the Torah world? It was just no one knew where it was going to go. Like I said many, many times, in the late 1960s, the conservative movement had a meeting. Every two years they have a meeting. And one of the meetings the conservative movement had in the late 60s is how are we going to lead the Jewish world into the next decade when there'll be no more Orthodox? Like, that's how bad it was. Orthodox shoals were turning into conservative temples all over the place. I heard Rabbi Willie give a hesper for a rabbi. His name is Rabbi Shelby Fabian Schoenfeld Zetzel, who is a Talmud of Rasulavechik. He died like three years ago at the age of like 96. And Rabbi Willie was remembering when he was a kid in Queens. And Rabbi Schoenfeld was the, was the rabbi. He said, we had no idea what direction the Torah world was going to take in the late 1950s, early 1960s. We just had no, we had no way of knowing. It could have gone either way. G'dayle Torah would knock on people's doors. I'm sure if you're on, you ask your grandmother. She should be well. What, would it, what was Jewish education like? Jewish education, G'dayle were knocking on people's doors. Please send your kid to a yeshiva and don't get send your kid to a public school. Today, and again, I'm not speaking the problems under the rug, the big problem in Lakewood today is there isn't enough, there isn't enough school for girls. And everyone's screaming and yelling, it's too hard to get my daughter into a school. The modern Orthodox world, there's a school in Teaneck called Frisch, Yeshiva Frisch. They just expanded so they can have 220 kids per grade. What's the problem? They have around 350 applicants every year for a grade. They have to turn away 90 kids a year to go to Frisch. If you would have went to somebody 50 years ago and said that would be the problem in the Orthodox Jewish world, they would have said to you, impossible. That would have been the problem? I want to let you know, I was talking to somebody yesterday, he just uh, mentioned this to me. In the 1970s, when I was a kid, my father, and you can ask your family about this, Ron, to fact check me. We would drive from Montreal to New York because there was, one, there was a kosher rest, a kosher flagship Chinese restaurant called Schmulka Bernstein's in the Lower East Side. If you speak to any Jew from New York who was around in the 1970s, there was one restaurant, Schmulka Bernstein's. Everyone knew Schmulka Bernstein's. I think they also had a thing in Flatbush too. My father loved it because the Chinese waiters spoke Yiddish. So that was his... <laughs> My father used to love. We would go, can you imagine driving from Montreal just to go to Schmuckel Bernstein? I know where I get it from. <laughs> just to go here, Chinese guys speak Yiddish, and you can order in Yiddish. Today, if you go to Miami Beach, gentlemen, from Miami Beach, from Collins, in Miami Beach to 41st Street. And you drive all the way up. Everybody in Miami talks about the traffic. You take the highway, you take college. You drive all the way up, past Fort Lauderdale, past Hollywood. You go to Boca. That whole stretch from Miami Beach to Boca. It's probably without traffic. An hour, 20 minute drive. 
Do you know how many kosher restaurants there are in that hour and 20 minute drive? You can probably go to a different kosher restaurant every night for three months without hitting all of them. Whoever would have thought, I don't know numbers and statistics, gentlemen. 67% of statistics aren't correct. But, I'll tell you one thing. Kosher pizza shops don't lie. That's Rabbi Kerlinski's line. Kosher pizza shops don't lie. The fact that you can go to Los Angeles today, and you can go to Rodeo Drive, which is one of the most famous streets in the entire world, and you have a glatt kosher, you know, prime rib restaurant. Go to Times Square, arguably the most famous square in the entire world. Everybody knows about Times Square. And all of a sudden, if you take a 20-block radius around Times Square, including the Empire State Building, that whole hill, that whole area of Midtown in the 30s and 40s. I don't even know how many kosher restaurants there are in that little place, in that little area. Probably just 20 kosher restaurants in that in that radius of Times Square. Because of the diamond district. It, 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 whatever it is. You know what kind of you know how insane that is? If you would have asked anybody, gentlemen, Torah learning is on fire. Yeshivas are on fire. Don't get me wrong, we have problems and we have a different time to speak about the problems. But we have to look at the positive. We're stronger today. We're, the Torah world is strong today. The problem, one of the problems of the Torah world today is we don't have enough room for in our educational system for all the kids. This is like rich man's problems. 75 years ago, gentlemen, we have to have hope. That's what Rabbi Akiva is telling us. It's true, we have trials and tribulations, and they're really garbage. There's a fox running in Harabagas. We're going to rip Korea. Nationally, we don't even want to go through all of our tragedies. But you know what? Here we are, in the Ezra Snotship of Chappelle's learning Tyra. That's my little share that I wanted to give. We should all have a wonderful rest of the day, and we should all find comfort in everything that we are doing. Thank you very much.